Welcome to the Engaging Personalities Podcast. I'm Anders Belanger, founder and CEO of Engageify, where we're on a mission to rehumanize business through engagement. We believe that we can all be more successful if we can command attention and deepen connection. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you can be our next guest on a future episode. So let's get ready to engage. Our guest this episode is co-founder of The Community Factory. She has a background in corporate marketing where she had a passion for creating and cultivating engaging events, gatherings, and communities. She and her partner have created a framework to bring people together for unique shared experiences and conversation-based events and apply it to corporate branded communities. So if you are an event professional, I'm sure you've heard of her on LinkedIn and chances are you're already connected to her. She's the author of two books, The Age of Conversation Cookbook and Eyebrows Up. She's a self-proclaimed conversation junkie, so I know we're in for a good episode. Here to talk to us about events and community and how they play such a pivotal role in marketing is Liz Lathan. Welcome to the podcast, Liz. You and the crowd goes wild. Ah, hi. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I heard that. I should be using that. I have like a stream deck with sound effects, and I've never, never really brought that in. But that's a good point. Um, very good. Thank you so much for being here. I'm excited to be here. And for those of you watching on video, you get to see the rave on a screen as my camera goes flicker flicker across the bottom. So it's a super exciting day. It's, Even the camera's excited. Yeah, and it, it's just the bottom. It's all good. It's all good. So, Liz, when I see you on LinkedIn, and like I, I, I talked about that in the intro, um, I think everyone kind of knows who you are if they're you know into that on the especially event professionals, but uh, you know also people in marketing. Um, you're always talking about community. You're building community. Can you just define that? Because when I think of it, I kind of think of I come from a small town of 500 people, and that's our little community, right? Um, how do you define it in terms of, of corporate and, and brands and in marketing? I think that that is the uh, biggest mistake people make is in trying to define a community. I don't mm. think that you have to define a community. I think community is a feeling and it can be done online. It can be done at an event. It can be done year round, at, but community is the way that you welcome people in. I don't think people join communities. I think people join clubs, associations, organizations. I think the community is the people that welcomes them once they're there. So that's interesting. I like how I like that twist because you feel that you're a part of something and yet you never actively joined it, right? And so now I can see why companies are leaning on you to create community for different brands because it's how do you like you like you can't even define it. How are we supposed to build it if we can't define it, right? Right. So, and I think that comes with strategy. Yeah. You know, it's just like okay. when you're doing anything, sales, marketing, anything, who are you trying to bring together? Who are you trying to sell to? Who's your ICP, right? Who's your ideal yeah. customer persona that you want to talk to? And what do you want to do with them? Because some communities exist to sell to. You brought them together because yeah. they are advocates of your product and you want them there to be loyal, like Sephora beauty. Nobody joins the community because like, Sephora is a community you should join. It's because they get loyalty points. And that's the purpose of their community is for them to sell more stuff. But then you have people that have a community that's for, you know, um, corporate or uh, social change. And so people are getting together to create sustainability initiatives in, in their environment or whatever. So again, it's defining what it is you're trying to accomplish, who are going to accomplish it with you, and then put the community around it. 
Reddit can be defined as a community. It's a bunch of people online, either talking helpfully to each other or yelling at each other. Whichever community you join in Reddit is the community that, you know, you feel yeah. like you're a part of. Yeah. Okay. Well, that helps, but it's still kind of like, I feel. On a because it's not, Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's kind of like, you know, for, for companies going, yeah, we need a community, but it's, it's something that I definitely see, you know, as on trend right now, like there's a lot more people being community managers or titles that are just like something that didn't exist. I don't know, 10 years ago, or probably even less than that uh, right. is, you know, how, how have you seen this, you know, I guess, well, the community of communities coming together over the last few years, how, how have you seen that kind of evolve? Yeah, I think a lot of it started with the online communities and we had community moderators coming together to talk about how do you kick people out? How do you set codes of contact? How do you do those types of things? And then, you know, we've always had the communities that we live in or communities that our kids are going to PTA, you know, parent teacher associations and those little bits. And then seeing that you can create change with these communities, we've evolved from lists of customers to community-based marketing, community go-to-market initiatives and community-first growth and all of these things of how do you take your groups of advocates and grow them? And we like to say that it could either be a funnel or five pillars or it turns into a flywheel, but our, our five things that we start with for community are like top of funnel the show. This is your the content part of it. So if whether it's a podcast, a TikTok, a, you know, a book that you've put out there, but how are people that are not in your community going to find you? And mm -hmm. how can you share stories from within your community to the people that aren't in it? So that's the show. The next we call the site, and that could be a Slack channel, Facebook group, whatever's right, but it's how do your people find your people online? It's not your company website. It's the, the more public place where people can jump in. Would that be like a pl like a platform? Like it could be a Facebook page group, Precisely. A group I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Right. How the people can talk to each other, not necessarily your customer support line where they get to you, right? The next one is our series of gatherings, and that's virtual, in-person. Your community has to come together in some way, but bringing them to meet the people is the, the series that you want to set up for your community. And even if the series is just once a year or once every four years, the Olympics is only once every four years, but there's a community that forms around that. The next one is the sounding board, and that's your small group. Your, let's call it five to seven people. When you're first starting, that could be where your community starts. It's your founders, five friends, and their mom, right? However, you get your first group of people together to get you insights, to get feedback from, to pick their brain on what you should be doing for your product or for your community. And then finally, the shareable moment, which could just be swag, or it could be all the content that's being created inside your community. It could go back up to the show. Your shareable moment could be you sharing that show and the people mm -hmm. on your show sharing it. And so once you take that kind of framework of five items, you can pick how you start growing the community. You don't need all five. Maybe you want all five, and that's your definition of a thriving community. But if you start with those, you can figure out what's right for your organization, what's right for your people, and grow from there. I, I like it. I, I you said there's different models you can look at. I like the flywheel idea because it really mm -hmm. does feed itself and and just start spinning faster and faster if exactly. if you're doing it right, I suppose, right? So so with that framework, is that how you're able to then offer these companies, these brands to create communities because I know you offer engagement communities and then Q, Q, what what is it? CAS community yeah, as a CAS. service. Like I love how everything's as a service these days, right? But like 
again, that uh, to me, that's like a mind blower. Like, how can we bring someone in to build a community? But is that kind of what you translate over or tell us about how that works? It is. I think that CAS is more around the management of a community. Community is a full-time job. And a lot of companies don't have the resources to do that internally. Or you created this event where people came together and loved it so much. And now they're asking you, how do we stay in touch year round? And you're like, my event manager is not the community manager. My marketing manager is not the community manager. My VP of product is not the community manager. How do we kind of keep this thing going? And that's where we can come in and determine, let's look at those five elements of community. Where do you want to start? And how can we put something in place where we're continuing to keep people engaged? Maybe we're interviewing customers and you're starting with content and that's the show. But your community has to have a face and it has to be either from your company or from your organization. People have to rally around a person and not just be a faceless brand brand community, and that should not be outsourced. But the management of the community can totally be outsourced. Got you. Now, you had mentioned in, in the flywheel, there are the, the different stages of the different pieces. The show is kind of that first piece, mm -hmm. but also the event that brings people together those could both be the same, I suppose. Is that true? Is that like, absolutely? So and okay. I think event organizers need to think about that more and using the content that they're creating at events as that long tail of content. Capture it on stage. How much cooler is it when you go to an event and it's labeled "Be part of the live studio audience"? So when you walk into the mm -hmm. keynote hall, you're part of the live studio audience, and there's like a TV show set up on stage, and they're capturing that content. And now it's optimized for a digital audience, but you didn't feel like someone in a giant ballroom, you felt like someone who got to applause when the applause sign came right. on. So how can you create that experience that feels more community in person? And then the content gets created and becomes part of your show. Yeah. I, I do like that idea of the live studio audience, because all of a sudden now you have a role in it. You're not just the right. passive observer. That's like, you know, that let the keynote talk to you. You're kind of now it is more experiential. You're less likely to sit in the back of the room and do emails on your phone if you feel like right. you're part of the studio audience and that will distract other people. Yeah. It's like being in a movie theater. You don't want the phone on. But if you're just in a keynote, like nobody cares. You're just, you're doing email. Right. You could catch that on YouTube, right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's interesting that this kind of um, uh, idea of, of being a part of it, there's an obligation to actually, you know, do your part, right? Which I think adds right. to the energy and the event of everything. Um, and builds community without you having to call out that you built it, because now all those of you that were in the room were part of something. You were part of the creation of content. And so now you had that shared moment with the other people there. Got you. Now, there's something I came across, and I think this is a, a community that you've organized, perhaps, but it's, it's or maybe you can tell us about it. Ichigo Ichi-e, is that mm -hmm. right? So, That's where the phrase came from. Yes, the Japanese phrase for one moment, one time, which is what we all try to create in events, right? right? You can do roadshows or whatever, but uh, that that one moment where uh, the people feel like something happened yeah. there that they yeah. won't get at any other event that they go to. And yeah. so the, the community decided to call itself Ichi for one. We are one. That is what we're all here to create is those one moments. See, and I love that because, you know, my, our listeners will know, cause I, I drop this in once in a while that my background is being a magician and I still do magic at trade show booths as an infotainer, but it's merged with the messaging. And my goal is always to have people, you know, be part of something that they were just, Oh, I'm glad I was here for this. Like, I'm glad I was walking by at the right time. Right. And I think, yeah, applying that to, to events in general as, as that kind of like goal to have people feel that is that amazing 
moment that, that they want more of, right? And it's kind of like a very fleeting moment in some cases, right? We kind of chase that. And maybe that's why people seek that community, right? Try to recapture that, that sort of feeling. Um, so now, you know, we're all about engagement and, and customer facing, you know, engaging customers uh, frontline. Um, you know, it's fueled by connection, a lot of engagement. And how do you, how do you foster connection in these communities? What's, what's a way that you do that? So we kind of, through trial and error and, and just observation, figured out that connection is, um, there's really a process to how you can build it. And we, we call it the five C's. And the first one is the most important, which is sometimes the hardest when you're just trying to get things done. And it's to care. The people who are creating the experience have to actually care about what they're doing. And it can't just be a checklist. And so if you can put your own care and feeding and putting an event together, the people on the other end who are participating feel that, so care. The next one is collaborate. If you can bring people together to collaborate on something, it's going to drive co-creation because now they're collaborating on sharing ideas and now they wanna do those ideas together. So you can collaborate, then co-create. And then conversation. If you can get people conversing and actually build, building these things together, we love to do it through our spontaneous think tanks, which we can talk about in a minute, but it's, it's so easy to put these things into an event. And so after you care, collaborate, co-create and converse, you've created connection. You can't, you can't just jump to connection, like put people in a room, turn the music up, give them a drink. They'll connect. It's fine. <laughs> you, you have to kind of run through this, this piece. And what we love is, you know, I, we call it spontaneous think tanks because we just grab the big sticky notes. Anyone can do this, go on Amazon, order the three M ones because they stick better. The others just fall off the wall, kamikaze sticky notes, um, but get the really good ones and just ask people when they come in, what challenge are you trying to solve right now? So uh, fill the wall with the challenges, the wall of woes. And then ask everybody to step back, look at those challenges people are trying to solve and write their name and phone number if they've solved that challenge. Ooh. And now you have a wall of connection and people can go to that person and text them and go, oh, you've solved my problem. And you know, then you can just start having, you don't even have to create sessions out of it, but you can set these spontaneous think tank sessions where you ask the people who've solved those problems, would you mind running a session this afternoon? And then have them just bring people together to have those conversations. And this creating connection, we have, we care about what people are trying to solve. We didn't just build an agenda and leave it at that. We collaborated on finding out the challenges. We co-created by asking who solved them and built the sessions. We've conversed by putting them in rooms to talk to each other about it. And now they're all connected. Yeah, that's so great in the way that, that I, I see the co-creation piece. You know, it, there's so much more ownership of the learnings if it's coming from the people who want them and they're kind of solving their own problems and and uh, and leaning on each other, right? Like what a great way to, to create community. Uh, but beyond that, here's the big challenge, right? Because now you hear all of this and go, that's great. But my subject matter expert didn't get to share about our product. My VP didn't get to get on stage. I couldn't have my parade of presidents because people were busy talking. So instead of taking over the things that we all know we need to do to do demand gen events, it's just injecting that into a program that you've already got. So as they're coming in for breakfast, put the sticky notes out and ask people those challenges. Then they roll into the keynotes, the breakouts. During that time is when you can evaluate the sticky notes and start putting together the peer-to-peer -peer sessions for the afternoon. Whether you turn it into, you know, birds of a feather sessions or you actually text people and tell them what sessions are going to happen or load it into the app. But you can take your normal agenda, your normal event, and inject these moments. 
And I think that there's just plenty of opportunity to, to not have to take away from the, the agenda you know you need to have. But beyond that, when you do that crowdsourcing, you now have an entire wall of insights. You have every challenge your customer is trying to solve. So you have built out your editorial calendar for the next 18 months. Wow. Um, I'm not surprised that you're successful in this area because you, you're just like, you're just lit up, Liz. And you're just like talking, like, I can see you're passionate about this and, um, and all the, the so ownership. I don't know why everyone doesn't do it. That's my problem. <laughs> right. Well, I was just thinking, man, like, um, you know, meeting planners and, and event uh, planners, they must just love you because you just like, uh, hey, by, have you ever been to Exhibitor Live at all? Have you ever been to that? I have to, not been to Exhibitor Live. I can't wait to go. Okay, I'm I'm doing a couple sessions this year, but I need to like put their put your name in front of them and say we got to get get Liz in here because I think they would just eat up uh, that kind of that, that your content because it's just so applicable uh, right to to uh, corporate marketing, of course. And event well, marketing. and you talk about Exhibitor Live. We even have done this in trade show booths. So we did this for a client where they had the opening reception in the trade show hall, right? Like everybody does that. Yeah. How do you bring people into your booth during the reception? We brought in a movable whiteboard, brought the sticky notes, and our ask of people walking by was, what challenge are you trying to solve? And it just filled the sticky note with all the challenge or the, the whiteboard with yeah. all their challenges. And people started talking right there in the booth that, you know, and it brought people in, it engaged them. It wasn't just a, would you like to play foosball in my booth today? No, I want to know what challenges you can help me solve. That's so, that's such a unique traffic stopper too, because when you see it with, uh, cause that's what I'm always thinking about, right? How do you engage people? How do you make them stop? Um, with the, you know, it's going to take a second to write down your challenge and post it on the, the whiteboard. But doing that at an opening reception too, all of a sudden now you have like, um, you know, you're peeking into the brain of your prospects and you're realizing what are those hot button topics that you can be talking about for the rest of the show and just make sure that you actually pivot your messaging to address that that group. So um, that's exactly yeah. what we did. Instead of setting theater sessions in advance, we created the theater sessions based on the challenges people said they wanted to solve. Oh. Wow. Mm -hmm. That's very agile. That's very, uh, very interesting. Yeah. You got to have the right company that can handle that. <laughs> right, yeah. The right subject matter experts that it can just like, oh, I'm just going to change my title and move things around and make that work. But here's um, my idea for you to steal, right? If you're doing right. this in a booth and maybe you don't want to do that so publicly, set your booth up to do podcast recording. And after you get those challenges, now you can start inviting people in and say, you know, at 10 o'clock, we're going to be recording a podcast on this topic. Would you like to join? And so now you have a small group of four people sitting in your booth talking with this live studio audience feel of people walking mm. by and you're capturing content in your booth that you can then use later. So just thinking about how to engage people in a level that's not like come sit in here and watch my PowerPoint, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So good. I, I want to roll back to one thing that was earlier about the, the converse uh, piece of your um, um, creating connection. Uh, because there's something that um, came to mind when I, when you were mentioning it, that at, at conferences, people always talk about, you know, oh, the hallway conversations, that's where I get all the value. Like, you know, it's like you have to organize an event and put all these big name people to bring people to one location, you know, to in a hotel. And then people always talk about the hallway conversations as being so valuable, which is hard to um, not regiment, but like that's just a natural kind of thing. Um, do you do anything to kind of help those hallway conversations along? Because people, they're always asking for more break time, but yeah. do they use it or do they just go and have a nap in their hotel if they have too much break time? 
it, it is definitely a challenge to make sure that the 30 minute coffee break doesn't turn into the 30 minute email break. But if you do those things at the beginning to help people connect on the challenges and then help people find each other during those coffee break times so that they can truly connect. Like there's companies like Braindate that will allow you to put in the challenges you're trying to solve or your expertise and then set those coffee break times to be when people can connect on the Braindate. So you can do it through a technology platform like theirs. You can do it through sticky notes and Sharpies like I did. You can have a giant bulletin board and have people, you know, just write little notes to each other up there. And I think that if you help curate the connection, it helps the introverts and the extroverts. Mm. I'm an extrovert. Maybe you can tell, but no. I absolutely hate walking into a big giant room where they've got the music up and the drinks that they're handing out. And I'm supposed to go navigate how to be like I was in middle school and find a place to sit and eat lunch. That's miserable for me. I absolutely hate it. But if I can, you know, look at this board and even if I'm just standing at the board going, oh, that person's trying to figure out how to engage people at their events. Oh, that person's looking for a great destination for 20 CEOs, you know? So then I can be like, ah, I should look for that person. Hey, and connect with them on something that I can be of value to them for. Yeah, no, that's so good. Now that, that brings up another thing is what role does technology or the you know conference apps play a role in building you know a community at an event mm, i was just on a call this morning with a group that we were talking about that specific question and our challenge of course is the multi-generational piece you know the us older folks 40 and up you know we're we're less likely to use the app specifically for connection and more likely to use it to go find the people we've already met and make sure we have their info whereas the younger group are more likely to use the app to find the people that they're trying to meet with. So if you can kind of do both, make sure that that directory exists within the app. But my biggest complaint about the technology is that it allows you to connect within the app and then it won't allow you to remove the data that you want because they try to contain it in there, whether it's for privacy or for app proprietariness, whatever. Just let me connect with people on LinkedIn. Let me find them so I can have more conversations later because that's how your community grows. Your community grows not because they only can meet each other at your thing. It grows because they met each other at your thing. And then they come back year after year. So I think if the technology can support that, that's what we want to do. What what do you think makes a good event or how do you how do you make a perfect well maybe perfect isn't the best thing maybe there's no such thing as a perfect event but in your mind how do people strive towards making a perfect event you know, this is a really stupid thing to say but know your audience and know why you're holding your event. Because if it's a sales training and your intent is to bring salespeople together, train them on something, and then have them go out knowing what they learned, then you don't need a whole lot of hallway activations with selfies and social impressions. You need a whole lot of really engaging trainers and some checkpoints to make sure that they're getting the content that they need and that they're going to be successful. Mm -hmm. Alternately, if you're launching a new candy bar, then you probably want something that's super optimized for shareability and for people to take things back and go, you know, share it. So it, we talk a lot about engagement and like, well, what do you think engagement is? It all depends on what you're trying to accomplish. So for me, I enjoy going to events when I know that there's either content that I want to get, like there's one or two sessions that I'm like, that would really be great to hear about. But that doesn't drive me to the event because I could probably put together my own group of people and get that answered. Mm -hmm. What I really want are the people that also are interested in that content so that I can talk to them afterwards. And so the events that just put a bunch of content out and don't allow space 
afterwards for people to actually connect on it and talk about it. I think those are the ones that are going to have challenges. I love the keynotes that set up their rooms in like little mini living room sections and let the keynote speaker do their thing and then let each little living room section talk about it and engage a small group of six people that are there in the room with you. And just thinking about that flow, I think that that's great. Let, again, let's the introverts have a small intimate group. Let's the extroverts kind of lead the way and take over the conversation and bring people in and really meets everyone in the middle. I love that you know, you're thinking in different dimensions in terms of introverts and extroverts, and you're really, you know, like you said, knowing your audience, but also then segmenting your audience into different, you know, types in a sense to serve those people. Um, that's, yeah, that's a 3D chess, you know, in terms of, <laughs> of, of events and thinking of it in, in those other terms. Now, there's something that came up for me when we were talking here, and, and sometimes when I think about, um, you know, trying to get community and, and make an event really engaging that sometimes people can try too hard and like you say, mm -hmm. maybe over program or try to force, I don't know, cult. It's almost like corporate culture done poorly too, right? Where you're like, hey, we all got to say this cheer now. And it's like, oh, like, you know, it's kind of cringy. Have you seen that happen where, you know, people try to force it too hard and, and how, what, what level of kind of organicness and you just kind of got to let it happen, be a part of that process, I guess. I think that's to our detriment when we allow the executives to get up there and really push us to grow, 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 grow the event, because you start losing the quality of the people who are coming to the event over just trying to get numbers. Mm. And when, you know, you had your first event with 700 people and the execs were like, next year, we need it to be 4,000 people, go drive attendees. And that's really, you lose the authenticity, you lose the ability yeah. to get the people who truly care. And so I think if you can grow an event extremely organically and allow the right people to let it grow and really value the quality over the quantity, then you're not going to lose the culture that you're trying to create. Um, I, even with the really big conferences, no one gets super excited about going to a 160,000 person conference called Dreamforce every year. What they get excited about are the little things that are going to happen at Dreamforce. Dreamforce was the neighborhood brought together a whole bunch of houses. Now, whose house are you going to go to the supper club in? That's what matters. So allowing people to build those small engagement opportunities is really, I think, the core of doing that right. Yeah. And that's got to be so hard when you got to fight the sea level on, on growing because I can see how you can, and I, I've been at plenty of trade shows and, and conferences where they did grow very fast and then they kind of got so big that it meant nothing to anyone anymore because it was just too big. Not only that, but it was really hard to eat at a restaurant because they're all full all the time. But um, that's another problem. That's another problem. Um, well, and you have for, that challenge of trying to bring, especially companies that are acquiring other companies. So, okay, we have our world mm -hmm. event and now we're going to add on the user forum and the executive forum and the, all these things. And now you have, you know, what is what is that new giant Royal Caribbean cruise ship where it's got like 100,000 people on it and there's slides attached to advertise. Like, and that's what your event becomes. Mm -hmm. Okay, did we really mean yeah. for it to be a festival? And And yes, maybe we can get some, um, economies of scale in the cost of the event, but are we doing our attendees any service by attaching everything together? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, things can get pretty big and, and get a little, a little out of hand. Now you mentioned Dreamforce before, and I made a, a video for our blog, uh, j just in terms of, um, return on experience, you know, for an mm -hmm. event. And for me, Dreamforce really was, um, over the top, 
and and you know everything from turning corporate events for sure right like they turn uh howard street out in front of moscone into like uh, you know they roll Trail out Trailblazer central grass. or whatever yeah yeah they've mm -hmm. got picked all these wooden things real trees fake trees um you know there was a waterfall last year there was like there's so many things and then you go downstairs and the lighting is so you know they really transform a convention center into something so unique uh they were piping in sounds of nature you know it's just it was it was just really really cool uh kind of thing and you know and that probably is part of why they've grown or they've grown and they have so much money they can invest it in how do you what do you think comes first in terms of that with an event you know building the experience to pull the people or do the people come first and just you got to deliver good content well, Dreamforce started small. It started with 100 yeah. people back in its early days in, what, 2002 or something like that. It was it was very, very small. And then it started growing. And then through acquisition, it started growing even more and more and more. And I think what they do really well is we did our research study back in 2021 to determine the emotions that you must evoke at an event to drive connection. Um, we called it return on emotion when we did the study. It was um, turns out five emotions, and I think Dreamforce nails them. So the first one is hope. Are your participants going to leave having more hope for tomorrow than they did when they came to the event? Are they going to meet the right people, have the right content, and create the connections to go do something better than they did when they got there? Motivation, I think that they do a really good job of setting up a way for people to take the next step. Are they going to be motivated to go put those people and that content into action when they leave? Accepted was one of the core emotions, and they do an incredible job of segmenting their audience and making sure you know where to go. Are you a small, medium business? This is your zone. Are you one of our, our mm. support, uh, suppliers and partners? Then we've got this special green room for you, right? Like they make you feel like you're part of a very special group. The um, active part, I mean, Dreamforce is a wonderland of things that you can do from waterfalls to, you know, they've got everything going on. So you can feel like an active part of something. There's content creation, there's peer to peer, there's all of these physical things you can do. And then finally adventure, which most conferences are missing. If you know that you're going to come across something that's either going to get you out of your comfort zone or something you've never seen at an event before when you go to Dreamforce. And so you hit yeah. all of those five emotions in the design, you have this magical Super Bowl of events. They do a great job. Wow. What a great way of breaking down, you know, an event done well in, in those categories. That's awesome. Uh, there's something else I want to talk to you about before we wrap up. And one of those things is Team CMO. And some of our listeners might be kind of interested in that. So can you tell us a, bit, a little bit about what Team CMO is? Absolutely. So I spent a year and a half as a CMO knowing that, uh, you know, it was kind of like, imposter syndrome moment of you, you become the CMO and you're like, but I didn't really earn it. I was kind of like, I just got it because I got it. And I can't really ask these questions internally because people think that I'm CMO material and I'm, I don't have enough money to go join a community. And, and, you know, I, I don't use six cents or Salesforce to the level that I can be part of their CMO clubs. And so it was just this kind of ball of anxiety. Um, and so when I left that role, I was hanging out with some other CMO friends who were like, yeah, we all have that problem. We all feel the same way. We just, need a group of people that we can connect with and, and talk about. So it started very organically with just a few of us having these little lunchtime conversations. And since then, what we've really discovered is CMOs 
mostly when we're going to marketing conferences, we're hosting our own customers. And so we're not actually going to the conferences to do our own networking or our own education mm -hmm. because we're in this marketing world. And so we're trying to get it all in. And so Team CMO, we recognized that adventure is missing from most of these marketing conferences and competition. Marketing is competitive, but nobody's doing anything that kind of gets that fun competition going. So all of our events are about getting you out of your comfort zone. We're doing marketing in the Mediterranean on a yacht in Croatia in October 2024. We're doing marketing on a mountain in Patagonia in May of 2024. And then all throughout next year, there's going to be CMOs strike back bowling tournaments and ace the market ping pong tournaments. And, you know, all of these like ma marketing master chef cooking competitions to just get a bunch of heads of marketing together to have some fun, have some casual conversation that will lead to deeper relationships. Wow. Those do sound like fun. Like, I'm just like, Oh, like, are there any in my area? Like that's, yeah, that's what I was in. thinking in my head. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So, and it's, I like this idea of, you know, something completely unrelated to marketing as the activity, but just bringing those people together, you know, if you get those people together, they're going to have all kinds of, you know, shared problems and issues and, you know, possible solutions. And um, yeah, you just kind of, you're just bringing all the, putting all the pieces together and letting it, the rest do the, do its thing, I guess. And in, in some ways, I, I know it's not, it's not that simple, but you know, I, 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 I see <laughs> where you're going with work. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, and again, like you were saying, a lot of companies don't have people to manage the communities or, or to dream those up. You know, you've got all these, um, you know, heavy investment trade shows and, and putting on your own events, all of that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, one more thing to just bring out, yeah, like, if for you sure. don't have the resources Please. to create your own community and not everyone should create their own community, get involved in the communities that exist, whether it's your trade mm -hmm. associations, whether it's communities like the ones that I have for each for uh, event professionals or team CMO for CMOs, like communities exist out there and they are looking for more people to take leadership positions and get more active. So don't think you have to start something just get involved in something. Oh, that's a really good tip because it probably seems too overwhelming to think of like starting your own, but just get involved where you can. That's, that's great. Um, Liz, before we let you go, where, where can people reach out to you if they want to learn about community as a service or some of your different programs that, uh, that you have? Absolutely. So I live on LinkedIn. So you can find me Liz Lathan on LinkedIn. And then of course, our website, thecommunityfactory.com can link you out to the communities that we run and also tell you a little bit more about how we can support you if you do want community as a service. Awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we, you are a conversation junkie. It was great. It was good that you live up to your name. I love it. Uh, thank you so much for, for uh, joining us here on the podcast today, Liz. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Thank you to our listeners for joining us here. And remember, until next time, stay engaged. Thank you so much for listening to Engaging Personalities. If you believe this world needs more engagement and you're an industry leader or you have an interesting take on rehumanizing business, go to go.engageify.ai slash podcast hyphen guest to apply and come on the show. If you got something out of this interview, do you mind sharing it on your social media? Just grab a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. Include the hashtag engaging personalities. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. 
We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episode, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to our website, engageify.ai, or follow me on LinkedIn. Thanks for listening and stay engaged. Thank you.